Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Time, everyone, for another episode of Tennis Bets. Mitch Michaels, Zachary Cohen, Kenny Ducey. We're back. We're better than ever. Tennis Bets is back for the final push of the season. It's time for the indoor hardcourt season to end how, t- how 2023 has begun. Kenny Ducey and Zachary Cohen, it's a pleasure to talk to both of you. A lot to discuss on this show. We've got a live bet action. We've got a synergy pick as well. Uh, Zico. Starting with you as we look down to the bottom of our screen here. How's the tennis scene? How's the betting streets? How have they been since the U.S. Open? Anything stand out to you? Man, I don't know. I mean, my only takeaway, I guess, would be from the indoor season. I, just in general, I've been really impressed with Sinner. I think, you know, picking up that 1,000-level title and then, you know, getting revenge on the Ben Shelton loss, I thought was really impressive. I think that, you know, heading into the ATP Finals, which is, you know, a few weeks away now, He's someone with some real momentum, and I do think that that's a tournament that, you know, he could potentially break through and win because it's not a major. It's not something where it's going to require him winning, you know, a best of five. I just think that's really interesting heading into, you know, the last event of the year. Kenny Ducey, before we get going to uh, your tribute, you know, you know, every uh, dust in the wind, I should say, for Dan Evans, I want to ask you the same question. What do you think about the final push of 2023 and what you've seen in the last month and a half since tennis left new york city yeah lord carry him now i hope that it's not i hope it's not anything too serious obviously dan evans you know he will be missed if he has to miss any time on tour but no i I think what we have seen mirrors what we've seen for the last several years i mean even dating back to karen hatchinoff when i really first started becoming a, a heavy tennis better at the paris masters we always see at the end of the year guys who are you know, just just ready to make that breakthrough. Holger Runa last year beating Novak Djokovic because at the end of a season like this, a lot of guys are fatigued. You've got a lot of guys that have banked points and you will really see some upsets. You, you will see some guys just quickly rise. Uh, Thomas Machiak, uh, to, uh, this really the last two months, he's been absolutely outstanding. So it's been really fun to see some guys break through and None other than Ben Shelton coming off that impressive semifinal run at the U.S. Open. He comes out. He wins his first ATP-level uh, tournament. He beats Yannick Sinner along the way, the, the indoor god, the, the fast court god. And it, it is, it, it's just fun to watch some of the guys that you want to see win titles, that you want to see win big matches. I don't know if Dominic Stricker counts, but he had a big win today. I don't know if if those are all the guys that you want to win, but it is fun to watch these guys finally achieve the results that maybe they wouldn't be achieving earlier in the year when you've got a, a hot Novak Djokovic, a rested Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, Daniil Medvedev, the mm-hmm. like. Uh, you've got plenty of yeah. guys that have just been playing 60, 70 matches like Stefano Tsitsipas, and they may be a little bit vulnerable at this time of the season. So it, I love this time of season because of the volatility. You guys know I love a big underdog. And you usually cash some uh, pretty big underdogs this time of year. So it's been fun. There's a lot to recap of last week. I'm, I'm We're all in the same lockstep. Like this time of year, it's the push. It's the push for you know supremacy at the top of the tours. It's also a chance to really make a name for yourself as a young player and set up your next season. 2024 will be here very soon. We've already had the draw for the United Cup. And Australia is less than three months away. Nori so. Fritz again. <laughs> Nori Fritz again. <laughs> 
I want to get to this first because we'll be monitoring this during the 30-minute show here today. We've got a Mega Powers pre-match pick. Kenny and Zico, not even planned. They both texted me separately. Monfils versus Tiafo. And uh, we're underway here. They're on serve. We'll try to update odds as we see them. Uh, Tiafo was love 40 in that first game. Hold serve. Monfils just saved a break point on his end. I know you guys are probably ahead of me in this, but... Uh, some interesting stuff there. And it was a question, Zico, after last week when Mo Fies returned to title town in Stockholm 12 years after the fact of winning that tournament. He still has very much to give. This line, did anything about it surprise you? Mo Fies is the favorite. Was it a reflection of him or maybe a little more of Tiafo's struggles since the U.S. Open? I think it was a little bit of both because, you know, Tiafo, I think, had lost six of seven before facing Evans in a match where he was down in the in the first set and, you know, Evans got injured. So I think that Tiafo's form has been, you know, lacking. And to be honest, it's, it's a little weird to say because Tiafo has career high winning percentage and a lot of wins this year. I don't think he's really been trustworthy, you know, in big spots this season. I don't think he's looked all that good. I think maybe his record is just a byproduct of, you know, better placement and draws and just, you know, expectations, you know, things he could invest in himself. I don't know. But I just haven't been impressed with his tennis. Kenny, was it more of fading foe or was it riding the Monfils train for you? And it was absolutely a faux fade. I think Zach and I are in lockstep here. I mean, I've, I said this the last time we had a tennis bets, but – for all the wins that he's had this season and for the career high ranking, the, the big breakthrough, um, I, I really don't think that Francis Tiafo has had a great season. And I think that you can definitely chalk that up to he's had some easy draws. We look at the U.S. Open when he did go to the quarterfinals. He had to beat Rinky Hijikata, the Adrian Manorino win almost got very complicated in that fourth set. Offner, Lerner Tien, uh, who's still a junior. You know, you look down the list, not a lot of impressive wins for Francis Tiafo. And I'm sitting here last night, I'm looking at the line and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, Tiafo, man, like he hasn't been playing well, but he's going to get up for this match, right? It's a legend. It's a guy he looked up to. He loves Gail Monfils. He's going to be excited to play. But then I thought about the U.S. Open when I was like, man, Ben Shelton, like he's going to get up for that Ben Shelton match, right? Everyone in the world was like, no, big, big foe. Like, doesn't matter how he's playing. He's going to get up for that match. And he got absolutely railroaded by Ben Shelton, the linebacker. So I don't know if we can really trust him even in like a big match, sort of like a bublik situation. Oh, he's going to be really focused. He's going to be locked in. He's going to be dialed in. I just don't think that Tiafo, despite how much he wants to win some of these matches, has his best stuff. And I think we it's been very evident in a lot of the losses we've seen lately. The Lorenzo Sanigo loss, the Karatsev loss comes out, uh, looks very bad against the guy in Dan Evans, just makes him play a lot of balls. Um, I think that he he's reaching down for his best tennis in these big moments, and he just doesn't have it right now. So I can't really definitively say we can trust him, whether it's the Paris Indoor Masters, what have you. But I also will throw a, a, a you know a qualifier out there and say, hey, like I just said, you know, the Paris Masters really is is a place for guys that have not really had a great season to really break through, come up with some big wins. Mm-hmm a la Marco Schirone. And I do feel as though Tiafo might be able to find a little bit of success on a slow indoor hardcore. I do feel like that's that's a good situation for him. So yeah. I'm not I, I'm not sure what to think right now, but this the overwhelming narrative here in this match specifically was yes, I am fading foe uh against a, a guy in Gail Monfils who's looked pretty good. Yeah. He has. My my only concern would be, and we've seen it not just obviously Monfils, but We've seen the long title runs in tournaments and then a loss quickly after in the next tournament as you hit the reset center to Shelton comes to mind. But there's a lot of examples of that. But we'll see. This match is going on. Had to touch on it, though. The other story last week, Ben Shelton, first career title in Tokyo. 
Zico, he beat a lot of impressive players to do it. Of all the matches in that tournament, I know Kenny will probably say the final, dismantling is Guy Karatsev. But it was the guts he showed in that Jerome match where he was not anywhere close to his best level. Still found a way to win. So little Ben Shelton all the way growing up to number 15 in the world. Yeah, and I do think you're starting to see a lot of maturation like in actual points from him. You know, I used to really try to fade him almost because I didn't think that he could, you know, win long rallies, come away with points against guys that are better, you know, in the point construction department. But he's getting much better there. I think his dad being there definitely helps. I think he's probably going to prove to be a great coach at the ATP level as he was at the college level. But, yeah, just a lot of maturity from Shelton. Yeah, and Kenny, yeah. four American men now in the top 15, not even counting Sebastian Corda, who's you know lost this week, has the win over Shelton, is trying to get back to form health-wise. It's a pretty fun time. You've been kind of carrying the flag for the American tennis hype, but we're kind of reaching that point where it's getting valid. Like, it is a time to invest in American tennis with these four guys, Corda added in, and countless others. Yeah, and you know, you also, of course, get the the absolute just low lifes on Twitter who, oh, well, you know, until he beats a Medvedev or until that this guy, you know, until until an American wins a Grand Slam, I'm not like you could literally have the top ten filled with seven. You could have Mackenzie McDonald in there, just throw him in there. You could have seven Americans in the top ten, and without a Grand Slam, these people still would not be happy. And look, I mean, it's it's the players have said it. I think everyone knows that Grand Slams are definitely the most important events that, that tennis players play in a given season. And it would definitely, it's been a long time coming, but I do feel as though, uh, you know, I don't think we've ever been more sure that an American man is going to win a Grand Slam in the next, I would say, five years, definitely this decade. Um, but, I mean, going back to Ben Shelton, I think it's been incredibly impressive. You look back since Cincinnati, he's 12-3. and three. Uh, This was a guy that everyone wanted to say. And, again, shout-out to the ATP Challenger Tour because all those – the people in press with Ben Shelton who continued every single match that he won at the U S open, they would continue to say, well, you never won back-to-back matches. And he did at a challenger, but no one really pays attention to the challenger circuit. Um, but yes, after not really winning back-to-back matches on the ATP level, he comes out, wins 12 of his next 15, um, not counting the labor cup, which was another win over Arthur feast, the goat. So I, I do feel as though he's playing really good tennis and it's just mind boggling. I'm curious how you guys feel like, he he had no return right for for a solid year there like he just could not return serve he was winning uh, points and matches all behind is just incredible serve um and then out of nowhere at that us open he found something uh that he starts to return the ball very well he changed his yeah. strings wrapped that has something to do with it um but i mean i'm seeing a guy that has a plan on return now uh, he's, he was playing the crush and rush a lot against the onyx center um he's gone up against some pretty decent servers i mean aslan karatsev is a guy that his serving really is volatile but he did serve i thought pretty well in that match he was yeah. getting very frustrated with how ben shelton was able to return um so the fact that the last three months He's grown so much. He's still 21, and he's got all those weapons. It just yeah. feels as though just give him another five months, six months. I think by the midpoint, by the time we hit the golden – or not the golden swing next year. He's not going to be playing the golden swing. By the yeah. time we hit the sunshine double next year, I think he's in play for one of those two titles, uh, either yeah. Miami or Indian Wells, and yeah. probably Miami because Indian Wells is going to be a lot slower. That's seven on the yup counter for Mitch, so I know I'm saying something yeah. good. And I just love that Ben Shelton – uh, is, is performing so well right now. And he's going to be a top 10 player in no time, which is awesome. I agree with the tactics. And I think that's a lot of coaching. As Zico said, he's getting a good game plan. He's executing it. He still has a lot of room to grow mentally and physically. And we're seeing it 
way faster than maybe even we yeah, did. Not to cut you off, but you you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just want to say like Brian Shelton, you know, we're always against tennis dads coaching here, generally speaking, especially on X. And I have to say X because of Zach Cohen's Twitter Twitter <laughs> handle. But um, I, I, I do feel as though there's a very negative sentiment with tennis dads. I've shared it. But Brian Shelton is the right coach for Ben. And I also I got, I've seen people compare him to Shapovalov, which, again, is, is kind of fair. You know, very similar, just very, very aggressive, very, very big ground strokes and serve. But um, the difference there, obviously, is all upstairs, all in the head. And I think that starts with a, a good game plan, a positive thinking out there on the court. He always has the belief that he's going to win. And I just sorry to answer your initial question, too. The Tommy Paul match was the one that was most uh, most impressive to okay. me because I thought he didn't have his best stuff. I thought he actually looked angry coming out onto the court, which I've never seen him look angry before. He usually looks like he's having a great time, loving to play the game. He looked just yeah. just angry, and I don't know if it was like he didn't have his best tennis or whatever, but that was a battle. He, he didn't smile one time, and he came through in two sets, and it was very impressive. Brian Shelton, had, by the way, is, he's a positive guy. You know, He, he smiles yeah. in his box like God. none of he the other dads examples. do that. Yeah. yeah, well, we have bad examples. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Like, there's too many bad examples, and I think it's nice to have a good one. I just had one other thing on Shelton. That we're all saying the same thing. I think someone like him, Corda's the other one with the ceiling if he can get right. But here's the question for you guys, starting with Zico. I love Shelton as much as everyone, but I feel like we might get to a situation where the betting value might be skewed here because he's such a popular guy. How do you see Zico and then Kenny, obviously, Shelton's betting value going forward now that he has this title, he's into the top 15, and him being such a popular player. Yeah, it's an interesting point because I feel like you're never actually priced out of betting Shelton, which is going to come one day. But I do think that maybe you have a little more time because the you know the rep the record he has on the ATP tour still isn't great. So until it is, I think maybe you'll see some favorable lines. But yeah, that's that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Kenny, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I also this week put in Ben Shelton to win the Australian Open next year, the U.S. Open, and I don't think I did Wimbledon, but I was pretty close. Uh, but I think that's, you know, that's really the, I wouldn't say it's not really a true hedge, right? But that is almost the hedge against the value on Ben Shelton. You know, you look back at Carlos Alcaraz's rise, uh, even a Holger Runa, you know, I, I, I do feel as though now that he is cracking, knocking on the door of the top 10 and probably will get there. I mean, this guy, you know, now at this point, probably not going to make the year end finals, but he's really, really making a late push. Like, I do feel as though that price, I think he's around plus 2,500. I mean, he's not going to be there by the time we even get to Australia, let alone the U.S. Open next year. If he is able to win a Masters or compete for a Masters, um, you know, mm -hmm. win some more titles next year. I, I think that the best way to continue to find value on Shelton actually is going all the way out to next year's U.S. Open if you can find a book with odds and betting him to win it now. I think the Australian Open, while I did say I put I put a bet in on that, it's a little early for him to really win a grand slam. He did have success there last year. And I think he could make a semi there, no doubt about it. But I think by the time we reach the U S open next year, it's a full year of his development. Uh, I do feel as though he's going to be maybe even shorter than 10 to one to win that tournament. But I agree with Zach. I think there's still a lot of skepticism here with the books because, you know, he really is a guy that's still improving in his, in his game. And he kind of gets hot from the back of the court cer during certain weeks. And I do feel as though you're still going to be able to, to, to bet. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he's American. Maybe it's because, you know, the, the odds makers are stubborn like the people online that they don't like him. I don't know what it is. But, I do, you know, you do kind of feel like you you see some of these odds. I, I'm curious what you guys think about this particular guy. Brandon Nakashima, the odds makers just must love the way that Brandon Nakashima plays tennis. Because even down at the Challengers, I was, I was looking at one of his lines yesterday. He always gets 
positive pricing. Holger Runa, another one of those guys right away, the odds makers bought in. It just feels like it's going to take a long time for them to finally come around to the fact that Ben Shelton is like a top 15 player. Because as you guys are saying, really not priced like that right now. Underdog to Tommy Paul, even though he, he outplayed him at the U.S. Open. And, uh, you know, he, he was he was a pick him against Aslan Karatsev. So I think you're still going to be able to get some good value on him. It's one to watch for sure. Uh, ben Shelton out of this tournament now losing the center, but still so much value going forward. Uh, as we look at the ATP Tour guys hitting Basel and Vienna, and we're going to roll some of those scores here at the bottom momentarily. But Zika, what stood out to you today from the action? A lot of three-set matches, a lot of drama on the men's side. Chris's name couldn't even get in there. Shevchenko defeats. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even worth mentioning his name. I mean, oh, on, that, on that note, like just talk about a disappointing player in the last few months. Taylor Fritz has been that. I mean, it's, it's the results have been poor to say the least. I don't even really know what to say about it, but for a guy that looked like the only American with a chance to win a major for such a long time, there's no real hope in my mind that he ever does that anymore. Yeah, there is. And we're going to fly here shortly, but the last three weeks have just been not good at all for a guy like Taylor Fritz, who Kenny, you know, I know we've had different we've had different topic points on what Taylor Fritz is, is as a tennis player, how he can, you know, maybe carry the flag. He was the top ranked American. He still remains that, but there's players coming. Third straight, third set tiebreak loss for Taylor Fritz to go out. And all three happen to players outside the top fifty. With so much on the line is the last point I want to make. There is a sizable spot that's slipping away for the ATP finals. I, I'm I'm not. Yes, I mean it, he's under a lot of pressure, and he and he's not coming through in these matches that he should. But I I'm willing to give him a little bit of a break. I mean I thought Shevchenko played really well against uh, against Stan. I was on Shevchenko's spread today. He's one of those guys talk about getting hot in a week um, that just can absolutely stifle his opponents. Now Fritz, uh, the one the one knock against him right now I would say is that he's just not returning the ball very well. I thought I think he's taking care of everything on his end of the court on serve pretty decently. And he, he's just been unfortunate to run into, I mean, Diego Schwartzman has been one of the stories, even though he unfortunately had to play Alex D. Menor twice in a row, which kind of slowed all his progress. But Diego has actually been playing some unbelievable ball. I didn't think that was a terrible loss. I know everyone sees the name and, and they know that Diego Schwartzman's probably a challenger player at this time. And they, oh, well, that's a bad loss. The Shintaro loss, you know, I don't know if there was just a little hometown magic. That was sort of like a pop run loss. Not here trying to make excuses for Taylor Fritz losing, but I ultimately just don't think this really matters. Um, he did, you know, he did what he needed to do at the U.S. Open. He didn't drop a set on the way to the quarters before playing Novak. wasn't a very good effort from him against that against Novak, but he was never going to win that match. And like, I don't know, I, I just I'm not really worried at all. Like he, he's he's 54 and 23 now across all comps on the year. And again, like I was saying, this is the time of year where you got guys who just played a long season, 60, 70 plus matches that you're going to see big upsets. And I just think Fritz, there's just nothing for him to play for at this point. I well, think yes, I, you'd like I would to disagree be at the finals and win $500,000. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't see anything here that's like, yeah, he's, he's just going to fall apart next year, fall into the top 15. Um, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him, especially going into next year as a top 10 player. And I, I mean, yes, it's disappointing. Yes. Ben Shelton is now the new guy who we think is going to win a grand slam. I think that's obvious. I don't think Fritz will ever win a Grand Slam, but like I don't think that his footing as a top ten player is really at risk at all. Um, I think there's some other guys that maybe Shelton supplants, but I think I think Fritz just will continue to win the matches he should. And I'm not really ready to like hit the panic button because of a couple of weeks at the end of the year, which we all know is a highly volatile part of the season. 
Well, I, I get that, and I'm not saying he's losing his footing or should be concerned as a tennis player, but he had something to play for. It was the ATP Finals. He's yeah, no but player. I mean, he's circled at the end of the day, him. he's not his, his ranking's not at risk. I agree, you know, but I, I, I also he, thought he saw the well, reaction. One win, we we're going to talk about the losses. Can we talk about the win against Cam Nori? Because good Nori was out that day. I thought good Cam Nori was out for a solid two weeks until he hurt his back and then and uh, ended up winning, but but then lost to, uh, to uh, Alexander Zverev. But I thought Nori really had a bad season, and I thought he turned it on the last month, and I thought he played Fritz really, really well, and Fritz came through that match, and maybe yeah. there's something to be said for the head-to-head or whatever. But um, I, I think he's played good tennis in spots, and yeah, it's disappointing not to make the year-end finals, but I, he's, he's going to make plenty of money next year regardless, and... I, you know, I, I don't, I know that it's like a big achievement for him to make it, but I also don't really know how much he wanted it. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with Mitch. Like I'm not concerned about him like long-term. I just think that, you know, for a guy that got up to fifth in the world, like it did seem for a second there that maybe he was the American that could win a major. And I just, I've really lost hope in that is what I'm saying. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, it, there was, and I said it on Twitter. So I have to remember that. I, I think there was a moment in time where he was a the top five player in the world during this season. Um, and now he's not. So that there is, that, that is true. That is true that he definitely has fallen off his perch a little bit. Um, and we'll see if he gets back. Zico, who do you think gets that last spot? Does Holger just hold on and, and rain through? I mean, I was looking at it too. I'm not going to sleep on Hubie if he has a good parent. I was going to say, I think there's a real good chance Hubie does it because just Holger needs to win Paris. Does he not? Like, if, if he. Yeah. So then would he fall out if he does not? Is my. It depends what happens here. Now we'll see what the point total is here. I'm not. What's he the looks match? like he's about to win today, which helps. Right. There's well, a that'll help a little bit. Yeah. And if he does yeah. at least make the final, it's not yeah. looking good. Fritz still very much in it, but now he needs a big result. And I think Hubie, he just does this. I've, I've made the point, and I, know, yep. I don't know where Kenny is with, with Hubie. I feel like it's kind of a solid. Um, but I've made the point that when we're looking for contenders, that's where his shine is. Who's going to walk through this door? seems like he the one that doesn't in that scenario. Yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. I mean, I know that I've been against him in some of his matches the last couple months, and I think people have the the idea that I do not like Hubert Hurkacz. Um, I just think that they're time, match to match, there's there definitely is value in fading him because he just has the tendency to just completely go awry mentally. But I think you're right. You know, you're talking about guys who – are playing for the year-end finals. I think that is Hercox right now. I think that you see a lot of determination. You see a lot of focus from him. And I think it's it, it contrasts what we see from Fritz where, you know, he's not going out there playing to lose, but ultimately, you know, there is a big hunger inside of Hubert Hercox. Um, We will talk about him in a little bit, but I'm actually, I know he lost today, but I, I'm not writing off Casper Rude to make the year-end finals as well. Wow. I think I think he's got a good chance. I know that Zverev is going to protect one of those spots pretty well. I I, I think he's a lock to make the year-end finals. Um, Sitsipas, you know, I, I, he's he's been playing with a lot of competitive spirit lately. I don't know how well he's playing, but um, you know, he came, out, he came through a tough one today against Mahach. I mean, they're in. I, I, yeah, they're they're in. That? Like six and seven are in. Um, we we they're not official, but it's official, you know. So right. yeah, I wanted. To, all right, so. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We're going we're gonna to go to Kenny right now here on Tennis Bets. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. But 
Casper Ruud. And this is kind of like a, I mean, I'm looking at your perspective of changing and it's kind of, it's kind of reinforcing the mantra, Kenny, that nothing's personal in, in gambling and war, right? Because love war and gambling, you're just picking players based on what you think will happen in their tennis, but it's not personal. And, you know, Echeverry and now Casper Ruud, I'm, I'm noticing a change in tune from you. Well, I think we all we all know as tennis bettors that you can only be so stubborn before you lose all your money. And I think that is an important sentiment to remember that you always have to be open-minded when you're betting on tennis. And I, I will continue to say I was open-minded when it came to Casper Ruud. I did not like the style of tennis that Casper Ruud was playing as a top five player. I thought he had cakewalked to a few slam semi or excuse me, few slam finals that he really did had no business being in. Awful showings in those matches, but I saw a guy that just was was coasting. Was he wasn't having fun out there on the tennis court? But what I see right now is a guy who is absolutely playing like the rent is due. I think Casparud's got a little bit of that dog in him right now, and I like watching him play tennis. I, I know it's crazy to hear me say that, but I will also remind the folks at home that there was once a time four years ago I used to fade Dan Evans on a weekly basis. I did not like Dan Evans. I did not like Christian Garin. I became big fan of Dan Evans. I wouldn't call myself a big fan of Kristen Green, but uh, I've definitely come around on him quite a bit. I actually really like betting on him on the hard courts, actually. He's kind of a sneaky value play all the time. But I really think that Casper, I saw him hit a ball into the net today out of out of anger. Like, I like that. I, gone, I think, is the guy that was the smug guy. He was, I'm never going to smash a racket in frustration. I want to play like Rafa. You know what? Rafa's not here anymore. Rafa's going to make one more appearance and go home. Casper Ruud, I think we're seeing a lot of edge out of Casper Ruud right now. I think we're seeing dark Ruud, and I love it. I want to see him get angry out there on the court. I want to see him get aggressive. He's playing very, very aggressively on the fast courts. I like. I think I see him playing with a lot of determination and hunger, and that's just not something I really have seen from Casper Ruud in quite some time, maybe ever. And I think that could lead him to win the Paris Indoor Masters. I know Zico was the first person to be on that train to say Casper is going to win the year, the, the, the Paris Masters in the, the year. That's the big tournament he's going to get to first put on his mantle. I could see that happening. I'm going to be on that. And again, I think that court suits him. That surface suits him pretty well. But ultimately, I just see a completely different attitude out, out of Casper Ruud. And I think there was a guy who was just enjoying the spotlight, enjoying yeah. the fact that he had achieved so much, going out and playing golf, having fun. But I think this is a guy now who's playing with a lot of hunger. He knows now Ben Shelton, Holger Runa. There are guys coming up the ranks that mm -hmm. are maybe better than him. And he knows that this is his opportunity before they get too good to really make an impact on tour. And I think he knows that. I think he's playing like it. I think he's playing hard and aggressively. And again, while he lost today, you wouldn't expect me after a loss to Dominic Stricker to say I like Casper Rude right now. Then I'm going to be buying some Casper Rude shares. But I definitely am. I, I think I see a new side of this guy and I can't wait until he proves me wrong. And, uh, and then I hate him all over again. But I, I, I think that this is the time you want to get beyond rude. It was when he started going at haters on Twitter, right? That's when it started. I don't know if it was that, but but I mean, I, I mean, I think it, the proof is also just in his is in yeah. his game style right now. He's hitting backhand winners. Um, he, I think he had the tendency to play pretty passive points and, and let his opponents make errors. And uh, he's been taking the fight to his opponents. Stricker just a bad matchup for him, a guy that can crack winners. But I, you know, like like Ben Shelton really would be. But I, I do feel as though he's he's not really just falling asleep in rallies. I think he's taking it to his opponents, and I love that.
I do think the criticism got to him where people were saying, you know, ripping on his style of play and he came out and then that press conference where he's like, well, you know, I'm winning matches. I'm not going to change the style of play. I do think he realizes that he does need to play more aggressive tennis or, yeah. you know, the new crop of players under, underneath him are going to pass him. That was it good, it reminds me a lot of the of the Sitsipas Alcaraz situation. And now they met each other, but it, it reminds me a lot of that where Sitsipas was just basically uh, just coasting as a top five player. Um, there wasn't a lot of competition for his spot. Alcaraz comes on tour and we, I mean, that was when he hit the ball at Alcaraz's head. Remember uh, he, he lost to him in Miami. He comes out on clay. He thinks this is his best chance to beat him. And you just saw a, just ferocious animal out there on the court in Pass, And he was not able to win because he's not as good as Carlos Alcaraz. But I, I think that's the same sort of situation where yeah. now all of a sudden the tough. old guard is seeing – it's not even yeah. an old guard. He's like, what is Casper, 25? They're, he's, they're seeing the new guard come in, mm -hmm. and, and they're really trying to fight for their lives. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now with Root. Well, for all you wrestling fans out there, that was Kenny doing the uh, Roman Reigns Austin theory. Your dad is daddy's not here anymore <laughs> about Rafael Nadal. So. That's true, and well, and Mitch did allude to it. But I was on Echeverria yesterday against Murray. Pleasantly surprised. I thought that he looked really good against Sebastian Corda, and I'm I'm really starting to see a lot of of uh, ability or I would say potential on mm -hmm. a hard court. I know he's always had the potential. I mean, I was waiting for him to kind of show it, but. Speaking of not not playing passively, I think he's been playing really aggressive tennis. Uh, doesn't make any mistakes, and I was front row for him to play Stan on court 17 at the U.S. Open. I was very impressed with him then. Uh, wasn't very impressed with him against Otto Vertain, and I thought Otto should have won that match. But I did see him unlock a new side, um, and I, I think he's just a tough guy to beat when he's just going to continue to pound ground strokes into the court. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he's mm -hmm. also – pumping a pretty solid serve. So I would say he's going to be one to watch as the, as the season wears on here. Maybe Paris indoors could be a good week for him as well. Yeah. Zico, what are we looking at for next week? Indoor Rolex Paris masters last chance for players to make the tour finals return of Djokovic return of Alcaraz wager potential outside of the Casper long shot. Any other strategies from you? Honestly, Kenny kind of said it before, but I have been impressed with Sitsipas over the last few weeks because I do think that he, you know, lacked desire over the last few months. I just didn't think he looked energetic on the court. That's definitely been back this week. Like Kenny said, you know, the results haven't been great, but I do think he's playing better tennis, and I do think he'll be dangerous in Paris just because, you know, you have Novak and you have Carlos coming in after such, you know, long breaks. Yeah, here's your other stat of Novak Djokovic being the GOAT. He's the only player with a 70% win percentage in every Masters event. So there you <laughs> that go. Is, that is one of the GOAT things for him is that his results at the Masters are just outrageous. Everyone. So even Federer, and I don't know off the top of my head, but Federer and Nadal both have events where they haven't done as well percentage-wise, yeah. and he's just always there. So it'll be interesting to see. I think he comes back hitting the ground running. He is the anomaly in every sense of the word. Alcaraz, I would have more doubts with. How does he look after this time off? How injured is he? And then what the draw is? Because the best part, I mean, got to love these Masters, Kenny, where you never know how good these early matchups could be. Yeah, and that's, that. That's I mean, we also see, you know, matchups like I think round one was what Ben Shelton, Yannick Center, round one of a, of a 500. Like we just have a lot of guys rising the ranks pretty quickly. Um, but I mean, it's, I don't know what it is about Paris. Maybe it's just because I win a lot of money every year when I bet it, but it's just, it's a fun. And I think it's really because of the underdogs that make noise, but it is just a fun time. And, and like you said, I think we're going to have some pretty good matchups with a lot of guys with a lot to play for. Um, you know, I, we've seen, like I, I alluded to earlier, but Marco Skirone have good weeks there. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, there's going to be, 
I wouldn't say a star made, but there's going to be a big leap made by a player. Maybe it's Arthur Feast. Maybe Arthur Feast makes the semifinals here. Um, that would be another guy I'd look at as a long shot because, uh, you know, while he didn't beat Daniel Medvedev and it's going to be a, a big obstacle with whoever he faces in the semis or the final, if, if that is the, the time he faces one of the giants. Um, I, I do think that that is a kid who has already risen up a Lorenzo Musetti type trajectory where you look back and you're like, wait a minute, how is this guy – top 30, right? Maybe he's top 40 now, but you're like, when in the world did this guy enter the top 50, right? He didn't really have that many good results. Um, but the fact of the matter is he just can play with the big boys. Um, and, and he's one of those guys. So I think Feast is a guy I'm looking at to bet early and often at this tournament. And, um, I, you know, again, we talked about Root as an outright. We don't have odds yet on the Paris Masters, but, and I, I'm not willing to say like Archer Feast, who's going to be like plus probably 8,000 to win the tournament it is like a full unit play for me. But, uh, you know, I maybe take a little bite of that because we, we look, you got to expect the unexpected at this tournament. I don't think anyone thought Holger Runa was going to win it last year, and he did. So, I mean, that's, that's the type of thing we're, we're used to seeing here. Okay. Well, Kenny, before we wrap this up, I did want to touch on the women. I, I want to give you an assignment, a challenge, if you will. Can you defend your pick, Zverev over Rublev, in 30 seconds or less? Is that possible? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's very possible. Alexander Zverev has beaten Andre Rublev on a fast. Every time they've played on a fast hard court, he's won easily. He's looking unbelievable right now. Holds the head to head record. I think that uh, he, this is the tournament he won the last time he played here. He looks very, very dangerous. He looks like a Grand Slam winner in 2024. That was quick, dude. You killed it early. That was good. And I and I believe I agree with most of that too. Over 50 wins in 2023 for Zverev, uh, still not officially in. But to reclaim his position at the top of the men's game is big. Still a lot to play for there. Uh, Zico, the answer for Mitch was almost as long as my explanation. <laughs> it was, yeah. We'll, we'll do. I'll send you the official minutes, the speaking counter. Right, thank and you. We'll review after, you know, how long each of us talked on this show. Uh, Zico, got to wrap with the women. The final starting in Cancun coming up in a few days. Sakri in for Muhova, so she gets the final spot there. Uh, thoughts on this, maybe wagering advice or betting thoughts as we get ready for the final event in the WTA calendar. Yeah, I mean, I take kind of a wait-and-see approach with betting it just because it's been like three weeks since they've played once they get out there. But that's something that I'm interested in seeing because Iga, I thought, played as close to her top level uh, in Beijing as we've seen in quite some time. She won five of her six matches in straight sets. The only one she didn't win in straight sets was against Carolyn Garcia, who served lights out in the opening set. Uh, she got her revenge on Coco Goff in a straight set, you know, almost boat race of a win. I think that she's playing, you know, yeah, I think that she's coming in with a lot of confidence. I just don't know if it's something where she's going to find her form after having not played in three weeks or not, but I would be looking to bet her. How does, and Kenny, I'll ask you this, how does the round robin format affect your betting, betting strategy? ATP finals coming up too. It's different, right? We don't have the single elimination. So do you attack it any differently knowing that? I mean, I do because I think, you know, in years past, I've always looked to fade the the lower ranked players uh, in some of those opening matches because they're just sort of happy to be there at that point um, and, and, and get rolled over. But yeah, round robin, I think, creates a lot more sense of urgency for the top players early on. So that's certainly going to impact things quite a bit uh sorry i'm distracted by francis tiafa with a set point here against gail monfis but that was that, that that is how i would say it impacts everything and and maybe this is my last chance to speak so i just want to say shout out to lin Zhu. i think she's going to be the cash cow of 2024 that's we're, we're winding down but it's not your last chance to speak but no it's lin Zhu. she's been winning a lot and we yeah. were when she beat zachary at the ao last year it was like what but now it's like oh like that she might be better 
with the with the round robin, by the way, I would say that as players are pretty much eliminated, you should feel free to fade them, even if you have to take take you know leg games in those matches. I just think oh, you, mean you lose motivation. The dead yeah. rubbers theory. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Okay. That's when they might drop out though, and you see the alternate win a mat play a match, and then it's like they might actually win. <laughs> that's oh, yeah, I, I feel I, like last year to... it was. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say I've done that to, to great success before with when a player has nothing to play. You know, when a player is already qualified for the next round. Now, round robin throws that into a loop, so you can't do that anymore. But I used to have a lot of success. Just if a guy had qualified for the next round and he didn't really have to play that third, uh, you know, uh, group group whatever group stage match, um, that that was the time to to really fade the other, you know, take the other guy. But yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really not sure how to attack it yet. We'll see a couple days next week. We're going to have tennis bets twice. We're going to do WTA finals talk as well as indoor Paris masters talk. And my last thing Zico was and sticking with the wrestling theme. My, my pitch would be if you are a former major champion, you should be able to cash in like a money in the bank type <laughs> thing at the WTA tour. Final. Where do you play? You just jump right in the middle and play. Just jump right. You, you start a match immediately after a match is completed would be where you don't want to do that. Step, the best step in front of, Step in front of Casper Rude and just return the serve of, uh, of you know. Yeah. I just, I'm thinking more along the lines of like, and I don't want to. team in U.S. Open, both of them are like cramping up and Yeah, Zverev is celebrating. <laughs> He's got his first big title in a while. And then just, you know, here comes Rafa running down the tunnel with a briefcase <laughs> or something. You know, I'm we, not gonna lie. I I had forgotten all about that awful Zverev team final. Thank yeah. you for rem- making me remember that. Uh, one of the most was- agonizing Sundays of my life on Zverev Moneyline and uh, just an awful match all yeah. told. And it, honestly, I think it was so awful that it broke Dominic Team because after that, <laughs> even though he had the injury six <laughs> months later, it was never the same. Both. Like you think a guy both. coming <laughs> off of a slam win. W- yeah. That would elevate him. That would really that would really skyrocket his career. After he won that final, he he was terrible. Like he was all out of it mentally. It was almost like he knew he shouldn't have won. He shouldn't have won it. Yeah, I, that I have was- one last prediction before we get off. By the way, it's not a betting prediction. I don't think this is. I don't think next year is the last year of Nadal. The way that Tony Nadal is talking about him, saying that he thinks that there might be, you know, more left in the tank. He's looked good in practice. I have a feeling he's going to keep playing. Tony's reaction says it all. Also, no, shout it out, has to be. Shout out to Drake. You want to see Kylie, Rafa go out sad, like you yeah. know, like look at like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good comp. I wouldn't say Andy Murray because he's had some good moments, but like. I mean, we were seeing Rafa be top 10 for every single year. And now he's going to go out. What is he going to do? Like, do you want to see him play the challenger circuit like David Ferrer and Tommy Robredo? Give me a break. Just shut, shut up, Uncle Tony. Let Rafa retire. Let him go out on top. He should have gone out after shut. he beat Casparud at the French Open, honestly. That's when he should have retired. I think everyone knew it. But if, God forbid, he wins the Olympics or the, or the French Open next year, he has to retire. Has to, has to. Tony will not shut up. I can guarantee that. No, no he <laughs> someone, won't. Someone said Tony should uh, coach. I forget who someone said. I think he said they should coach Ben Shelton or something. I was like, absolutely not. Get no, no way. Yeah. Shout out to Craig Tiley in Australia. He's just like Nadal's playing even before Nadal has <laughs> any idea if he can play. He's like Nadal's in. He's playing. Gotta gotta be a showman somehow. Uh, Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohen. Follow them on X, formerly Twitter. Check out all their gambling content as the season rolls along. Fellas, it was fun. We'll see you guys next week for more tennis bets as the tours wind down. But for everybody out there, watch us on YouTube, watch us on tennis.com, Facebook, and tennis uh, uh, tennis bets on Twitter slash X as well. For Zachary Cohen and Kenny Ducey, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thanks for watching Tennis Bets. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there.